0: Luther, what's he doing up here? He's written a number of hymns, and apparently there was one he wrote called From Heaven Above. I don't know it. Don't know if you know it, but when he first wrote it, the first stanza and the entire tune was apparently lifted from a popular love song of the time. I don't know what his motivation was, just trying to connect to people in that familiar tune, and it kept that way for a little while, but for some reason, he changed the tune after a while, and the theory is that he was out in some taverns and could hear where all this tune was going on, and kind of felt a little icky about using it in a church. I don't know. There was some conflicting interest there, so he eventually changed the tune. Musicians, songwriters—they like to take things familiar to our ears and play with it. Maybe they want to get our attention in a new way. Maybe they want to bring a song to a whole new audience or just have fun with stuff that they like. But this sampling is often a way to find common ground, and common ground is our theme today. If you want to be turning in your Bible's devices to Acts 17, that is where we are going to land today. We have been, of course, studying through the book of Acts together, looking behind the scenes to see how the church began. And in recent weeks, we've looked specifically at the way Peter and Paul, Barnabas and others have reached out not only to the Jewish community, but to the Gentile community to tell them about Jesus as well. And today's story takes a piece of that. As you may have been reading, Paul has had a pattern. He has been going around to different towns, but it seems like everywhere he goes, he goes in and preaches about Jesus and then people either really like him or really hate him. And he ends up being run out of a lot of towns. So the first half of chapter 17 in Acts, we're not even going to read, but it just, same thing. He showed up, he's preached, he's run out of town. And the last place he was, his ministry partners, Silas and Timothy, ended up staying behind. Apparently, nobody wanted to go after them. So they stuck around and tried to really minister to the believers while Paul headed on. And he went to Athens. And you've likely heard of Athens. That's where he was waiting for the rest of the guys to join him. And we're going to find out what he sees in Athens and the kind of people that he is introduced to there. We're going to begin in verse 16. And we're going to just pick apart a couple of verses here as we go and stop and talk about some interesting pieces therein. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed To see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God fearing Greeks, as well as those in the marketplace, day by day with those who happened to be there. Note that it says synagogues, and we might have seen this before because the pattern for Paul was to go into a city and to first start at the synagogue. He was raised Jewish, he's got common ground there, the same faith foundation as the people who would have been gathered there both Jews and Gentiles could go into the synagogue because there was a number of Gentiles who also liked the way of Judaism they were wanting to learn more about Yahweh God and so he was able to start there and then build on the foundation to say all of these things that we have been reading about the Messiah in our Bible have come true in the person of Jesus So that had been his ministry tactic, if you will, the way he would begin communication. But now it says he's going out into the marketplace as well. And the people out on the marketplace don't have that same foundation. They are not familiar with Judaism. So where is he going to begin as he speaks with them? Let's find out. We're going to read verse 18. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Okay, I have to tell you, I think it's interesting that when they said gods, plural, because it said that Paul was talking about Jesus and the resurrection. For us, we understand that means Jesus and his own resurrection. But apparently the Greek word for resurrection was a feminine form of the word anastasis. So people just heard those two names and thought Jesus was one God, and anastasis was his female compartment, com, compatriot there, that they were gods together. So that's why they were, they were used to that in their culture. Verse 19 through 21. Then they took him and brought him to the meeting of the Oropagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who live there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Luke is the one who wrote down the book of Acts, and I like his little parenthetical statement here. Like, these guys just like to talk a lot. But the Bible isn't the only ancient manuscript that said this was true. Apparently, the Athenians had a reputation for being curious, but also just talking and talking and hashing over ideas. They were even kind of mocked for that in a couple of ancient novels. But even though people tease them about this quality in them, it's that quality that really opened the door for Paul to talk to them. Because if they didn't care about other beliefs, if they were only stuck in their own point of view, if they weren't so curious, they may not have asked him to come and speak to them. Let's see what he says here. Then Paul stood up in the meeting of the Oropagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you were ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. I love how Paul began. Because if we read back in verse 16 where it says, when he got to Athens and looked at all the idols, he was distressed. And that was a tone of both being disheartened, being disappointed, and also a little bit angry. So he could have approached his chance to speak in a number of ways. And I'm sure all of us can think of times where people who are strong in their beliefs come out and just rip into other people who don't agree with them. True? And some people do that in the name of Christianity and give us all a bad reputation. But I like how Paul began here. He didn't rip into them and say, your idols are awful. He tries to look at positively. What's the positive here? You're very religious. Great. That's where we can start. I see that you have somebody that you don't know. You built an altar to a God you don't even know. You know why they did that? There were so many gods and goddesses that they would hear of. And each God and goddess, as you may know, was in charge of certain aspects of life. So if you wanted a good harvest, you would offer sacrifices and worship to the god of the harvest. If you wanted rain or sunshine, if you wanted to bear children, you would worship different gods for the different things that you wanted. So they were afraid, what if there's a god or goddess in our culture, in our city, that we don't know about? And they're over something that we want to happen in our lives. We don't want to offend anybody, so let's just make an altar to cover our bases. Anybody that we've missed, here you go. We are worshiping you, see? But Paul took that as an open door to say, you don't know that there's a God out there, but I know him. Let me tell you about him. Now, in this next section, we're going to read several things in Paul's sermon. And we've read a bunch of Paul's sermons before, and I don't know, if you're like me, they kind of sound similar, right? They're all talking about God, bringing up Jesus. But it's important to note that this sermon is a little different than where he preached elsewhere. Because, again, he wasn't starting with the foundation that they knew Yahweh God at all. These are people, they're a blank slate. So every word that he chooses in these next few verses are specific. Because we said there were Stoics and Epicureans, and that's a little bit out there. There's a lot of information about them we can look at later. But we have to know one thing, is that everything he says, one or both of these groups are going to agree with. I'm going to try a little something different. I'm going to see if you guys can give me a little interaction today, because I've been doing a lot of talking. And if Paul's standing before an audience, I feel like they're a little rowdy. So can you give me a little bit rowdy and maybe a controlled way this morning? I want to read these verses, and after each section, I want to pause, and I'd like to hear you say amen, all right? A little call and response. Now, the Athenians probably weren't going to say amen, but just to show that they agreed. You think you can try it with me? I'll give, I'll give you the point, okay? So let's start here. Maybe Let me bring up Paul's fiery, fiery voice. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. All right. He does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. We got two more people. Come on now. For one man, he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Thank you. Very, Very good. Thank you, Larry. Okay. See, that was good. So that's, this is the interaction he was having because he could look out and see, aha, I'm going to say this, and they're going to know. They're going to connect. They're going to relate. The entire point here is that he's saying, look, we've got more common ground than you think. Okay? Now, the next verse I particularly like because Paul gets a little poetic. So I'm going to read this one to you. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. I think that's beautiful. And what I loved learning this week was apparently in the Greek, there's, there's some mood and some tone here. And these words that say seek and reach out and find, Paul is using terms that indicate this is like what a person who had no sight would be reaching out in the darkness to try to find their way. And the tone of whether they find him or not is a little bit it's a little bit of uncertainty here in these words that he's using. Someone seeking may or may not be successful in finding God. He says, though God is not far from us, sometimes when we reach out in the darkness, it seems like he's hard to grasp. And I'm sure that the people listening maybe felt that. Maybe you feel that too. God is mysterious And he's not what we expect. And sometimes our reaching, even though we know he's there, he says he's near and we trust that he is an invisible God that sometimes we're just feeling like, I can't quite grasp him. I think Paul uses these words because he knows that that relates to the people he spoke to then. By using a little bit of mystery and poetry, Speaking of poetry, let's read verse 28. These, this verse has two different quotes. The first one is, For in him we live and move and have our being. And as some of your own poets have said, quote, We are his offspring. Guess what Paul's doing here, guys? He's sampling, just like our musicians before us, He's sampling poetry from the culture of the day. These are words written by philosophers and poets that his audience would have read, probably recited, heard aloud. And so Paul's trying to make a connection here to say, look, I've heard what you're reading. You know, that gives somebody value to say, I've listened to what you guys have been talking about. Here's the pieces where I relate. Because Paul's saying, yes, I believe in these things about my God, about my God that I want to tell you about, and I would really love to tell you more. So in order to find that common ground, Paul has used their own words. His goal here is to show that they've got more in common than they might think. He wants to get their trust so that they will want to listen some more. Where does he want to land this message? That's verses 29 through 31. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, although the offspring was talking about Zeus, he switches it around and says, I'm talking about a different God. We should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. He doesn't even say the name Jesus here, but you can, you can sense it. Paul's goal is, His whole goal, because he was so distressed by their worship of idols, was to show that there is a God who isn't made out of immovable objects. He is living and moving and among us, and Paul wants to introduce that God to the people of Athens. And also, apparently, the other reason why he kept bringing up their beliefs is to show them Look, you believe in a creator? I do too. You believe that gods don't really live in temples, that they're everywhere? I do too. But guess what? He said, you, by worshiping idols, you're not even living up to your own beliefs. You say you believe these things, and you're not even acting like it. And so he says, here's a better way. You can build on what you already believe, and you can worship a God who lives and moves and cares about your life. So they thought Paul's words were babble at first. And by the end, the same conclusion is drawn by some of them. Because just as it happens in every city. The last few verses of the chapter say that some of them believed, some of them wanted to hear more, and other people walked away. For some people, the resurrection of the dead was too much for them to overcome in their mind. I've always loved this section of scripture because it shows that Paul adapted his message to find common ground wherever someone was on their journey of faith. When he spoke in the synagogues to the people who believed in Judaism, that's where they were on their journey. They'd already said yes to God. And he wanted them to say yes to Jesus. But here in Athens, their foundation, where they were on their journey, it was a little murky. They were seeking something. And he could see in their hearts. They desired some spiritual conversation. But they talked a lot without having knowledge of the true God. And I just love that Paul was able to come to different points of view. Because I don't know about you, but I felt like growing up sometimes, I thought I can't just go and talk to random people. I, there's methods where people would just knock on strangers' door and stand on the street corners or pass out tracks. That's never been my approach. So I felt like Paul here was trying to form a relationship He was trying to talk about things that they believe first, listening first, and then starting a conversation. And I thought, that feels more my speed. I tend to listen a lot before I come to my own conclusions, much less sharing what I think. Now, just like Paul, like he was sampling in the poetry of the day, I really liked that metaphor. And it made me think of other music artists that we might know, where Paul sampled to send a specific message, not just to write a parody, not just a catchy tune, but he chose this poetry in order to be very specific and connect with people. What do Pete Seeger, Nina Simone, Mumford and Sons, Selena Gomez, and Chance the Rapper all have in common? They've all sampled Bible verses or Bible concepts in their songs. Pete Seeger wrote Turn, Turn, Turn in the 1950s because he desired to create social change with his music. And he said he happened upon a section of Ecclesiastes and realized, hey, there's something powerful here. Nina Simone covered an African-American spiritual called Sinner Man. Other people had sang it before her, but she really brought it to people's consciousnesses. And she would sing it, in the midst of her musical set, in order to speak and further push for civil rights. And I wonder, perhaps, did the two of them choose biblical concepts because they were trying to find common ground with the people of faith who already believed in these things and wanted to push for action. Mumford and Selena and Chance, if you look at their songs, their biblical imagery, it seems they're trying to communicate something that they're struggling with the way they use the bible is to speak of pain or challenges that they face that's their common ground with their audience and then to say they've quoted the bible to show this is how i've persevered with my faith just as all of these examples have shown us i think we can emulate that finding common ground And finding it for a purpose is something we could all do. The commentator J. Bradley Chance wrote that as Christians, we live a careful balance, finding common ground of discourse while at the same time not emptying the Christian gospel of the transformative power of its distinctive message. He's saying when you find common ground, it doesn't take away from your own beliefs. You use that to build Finding common ground, he said, the point of it, to change that very ground sometimes. Sometimes you want to walk with people on their journey of faith. And the best place to start is where they currently are. I see the way God spoke through Paul. Just think about the difference that God used in Paul's words to the people of Athens and then the way he would always speak to the people of Israel. It sounded different. And God made the people of Athens. He knew things that piqued their interest, that challenged their brains, because they were made in His image. And so He revealed Himself to them in a different way. He was pursuing them through Paul's words. How was God pursuing you? In what way did He catch your attention? we could probably each share a different story and it would sound and look different that the same spirit, the same God who loves each one of us has found a piece of his characteristics to connect with us. There's so much of God and we can each find commonality with him because we're made in his image and he uses that to draw us closer, to teach us about himself in new ways. And so then I want you to think about the people you see every day because God is pursuing them, the people you interact with, the people in your family, the strangers that you meet at the grocery store. God is pursuing them. And if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, there's probably a lot of spiritual questioning there's probably a lot of spiritual longing and conversations that happen if we would listen. Because people are seeking answers. They're wondering why. Maybe they're turning away from something that they thought they believed, but that doesn't mean their journey is over. So I would encourage all of us to be observant. Look around and realize that probably have some common ground with more people than you think. There's pieces in our story that are similar to other people's story if we would take time to look for them. And God can use that if we are willing. You don't have to stand up like Paul and preach a sermon. You don't have to stand up here. Maybe just listen for a conversation to say, I relate. Yeah, that's happened to me before too. And you know what got me through? I happen to know Jesus. I have hope despite all the garbage going on in the world because God loves me and that's the only thing I can cling to right now. You'll find those open doors if you look for them. You'll find that common ground. Let's pray together. God, God, Thank you for moving through people's voices, through people's hearts, whether you move through music and poetry, whether you move through the way the stars are aligned in the sky. People are looking and searching for you. Help us to see them, recognize them, to see the longing in their hearts, to somehow recognize when they're hurting and they don't have hope for tomorrow. God, you've placed people in our lives for a purpose and you've given us the chance to develop relationships and find common ground with people we may never have expected to befriend. Use us. Use us, God. Speak through our words, speak through our listening ears to someone else that they might have a glimpse of your hope. We bring these things before you and thank you for the way you have pursued us. Amen.